the volume. Oral Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. FanDuel is the best. They're America's number one sportsbook. It's so easy to use, safe and secure. What more do you need to hear here? There's fast payouts too, as quick as two hours. What a turnaround. And there's so many different bet types as well as same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures. There's risk-free bets and the same game parlay bets, enhanced odds markets. There's so much more. It's fantastic. It will not let you down. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and get started now. Sign up with a promo code Renee so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9889 in Tennessee. Or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. Another great episode here, ready to spin up for you guys. Um, I was able to put out a little tweet ski on Saturday with a little breaking news that one Tom Hannafin, one of my longtime close personal friends, was joining Impact Wrestling as their new lead announcer. This dude crushes. He's so good. Him and I started in the wrestling business really around almost the exact same time. I want to say like weeks to days apart, something uh, pretty close. We don't have the exact numbers because it was a long time ago and who wants to look that up, right? Uh, But we started right around the same time. And I mean, from, you know, Tom and I starting in the studio together to being on the road together to, you know, eventually me joining commentary when he was doing it to like him wearing every, literally every hat within WWE from doing like backstage interviews um, to doing commentary on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views, superstars, main event, like you name it. And this dude did it. He, he really got to do so much. He was actually my boss at one point, which I think I was not a great employee. I think I didn't respond to a lot of emails. I don't think I, um, you know, turned in receipts when I was supposed to, all of those fun things. Uh, but anyways, I'm super, super pumped for Tom to be joining Impact. I think it's such a cool move by them. They have so much going on over there too. Man, I watched Hard to Kill over the weekend and what a great pay-per-view that was. So much happening, like opened and closed by the ladies. What, what, what? Uh, but yeah, Tom did such a cool job, but him and I uh, jumped on. We hopped on a little Zoom call Sunday morning, uh, right before he went into another taping for Impact so that I could get the scoop, get his whole story about what's going on, how this all kind of came about, and what he's feeling, what he's been going through over the last year or so. But anyways, let's get into it. Guys, here he is, my buddy, Tom Hannafin. I haven't seen you, God, since SummerSlam of whatever the fuck year that was. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, we're getting right into this. How crazy was it to just be thrown right into the mix like that? You and I have seen it over the years where they want to debut either like an in-ring talent or an announcer on a pay-per-view. And it's like on paper, it's like, oh, that sounds super cool. And it's like, no, in reality, it's like really nerve. Like I was nervous as hell. You couldn't tell. 
I couldn't hear it. Thank you. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, working with D'Lo was a breeze. So it was just, I don't know, I hadn't called a wrestling match in like six months. So I hadn't done something the caliber of a pay-per-view since March. So I was like, oh, okay, like this is, this is different. But like once I got into it, it was so much fun. The crowd was hot. It was awesome. The crowd was super into everything. It was a very busy pay-per-view for you to jump in and call and also for you to be doing it in a two-man booth. I know you're familiar with working two-man booths, obviously, but that just puts like more pressure on like, you got to, you got to talk. You got to fill that space. Were you feeling that? I honestly always preferred two-man booths. Like I had to be diplomatic at points and be like, oh no, three men are fine. I always preferred two-man. When Graves and I got to do our thing in NXT, that was so much fun just because like he's one of my longtime friends and close friends. So it was really easy and we just were oil and water. So that was fun. But like I prefer the two man. And then very quickly I realized I was like, okay, yeah, D'Lo is really good. Like I, I think he's underrated, unfortunately, which uh, is a shame, but he was awesome. Well, that's good. You can let him shine now. Time to boost the guy up and uh, give him a little spotlight. <laughs> I don't know if he needed any boosting, but he was awesome. And uh, y- you know how it can be. Like when you're, you were in a three man at one point, and it's like that third person can either become the third wheel or somebody disappears. You know, so it was cool. And then yeah, it's really hard to find your footing in a three man booth. I mean, I definitely had a hard time trying to find my spot. Especially by the time Graves and Cole would give me a space to talk, I'm like, well, shit, y'all already said everything. Well, and then we had uh, Ian Riccoboni on for the Ring of Honor World title match. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know every last thing about Ring of Honor and pure rules. So first of all, Ian's a Philly guy. So it was like awesome. I was like genuinely wanted to work with him. And it's literally my first night out. I get to do that. So that was sick. But I told him, I was like, dude, this is your company. This is your match. So like, I'll be there to drop in a few things here and there. And he and D'Lo just ran. It was so much fun. It was easy. Okay, so let's just roll it back quickly. When did you know that you were going to be joining Impact? And like, what was sort of the conversation that all went into putting everything in place for this to happen? It's only really developed within the last month. Um, you know, I, lo- I love how people on the internet try and come up with you know concepts and rumors and stuff like oh, that. But um, it, you know, I have a lot of friends here and kind of connected me with the the powers that be and just had some good conversations. And honestly, the the schedule was very attractive because, as you know, like I just got done doing a fifty two week a year schedule for mm-hmm. about nine years. So I was like. This is great. This is really cool. And everything that I was told about what the locker room is like in Impact, what Scott Demore and Josh Matthews and everything, like everything's been accurate thus far. And I worked one day, but everybody's been awesome. So, <laughs> so it far, was so cool. Good. Yeah. Like, and, and you know how it is. Like, when you know a whole bunch of people there and like just showing up yesterday and seeing Matt Raywald and him, like being like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> so it was really cool. God, there's so many different things that I want to ask you about. So I don't even know if you can talk about this, but I'm going to ask you about it. Did you not have a 12-month non-compete with WWE? Can you talk about that? I can't get into that. I don't want to get into specifics, but I do want to thank WWE for a number of reasons. Obviously, I wouldn't be in this position to contribute to another promotion if it weren't for WWE and especially nine years of training and learning. Like The big thing I was sitting there yesterday was I I was talking to the the Good Brothers at one point, and I was like, man, I I got hired at 23. So that world was all that I've ever known. So it's a lot of the same things, but it's still breaking some habits here and there and changing a few things and then just being me. So it's just a very, very different circumstance. But again, I wouldn't be here without WWE. This is like, sounds like a stupid question, but I know that it's not. 
How hard is it to just be you right now? I mean, after having gone through, you know, being the broadcaster of Tom Phillips for the last eight, nine years to now being Tom Hannafin. I mean, I know you've been doing your podcast and whatnot as well. So that definitely helps to kind of shake some things off and get back to you as a broadcaster. But were you feeling that a little bit of like, wait, who am I again as a broadcaster? I mean, yeah, like you go from the the pressure being, you know, for a number of different reasons in terms of the way that WWE produces their shows. But like all of a sudden it's like, okay, like it's all on you. It's largely your show. I was given a lot of faith to go out there and do what we did with D'Lo. So yeah, it was it was nerve wracking because I'm like, oh, this is what I did. And then as you remember from WWE, there's certain ways that they like things done and things said and not said. And all of a sudden I can say certain things that I wasn't able to say. And I was like, this is really cool. Like I, I think I said it on the countdown to Hard to Kill. We couldn't refer to Bullet Club, obviously, for trademark reasons. And we always danced around it and we said the club. So I was like, oh, I can say Bullet Club on the air. I can say pro wrestling. <laughs> and it's just little like trademark things and branding things that WWE likes to do. And that's fine. But there are just so many little changes here. And it's just, yeah. But it's just so ingrained in your brain because I catch myself still. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I still find myself doing things. I'm like, oh my God, that's so ingrained in my head to say certain things, especially, you know, when I'm doing this podcast and I have on people from WWE or from other promotions. And yeah, I'll catch myself just, uh, I can like still hear Vince in my head. And it's hard to, it's hard to shake that or like have Cole in my head, you know? So the strangest thing was obviously the news broke about Mickey James being in the Royal Rumble the day before. And I realized I was like, I, the former Tom Phillips will be on an impact pay-per-view promoting a WWE pay-per-view match with the Impact Knockouts world champion, Mickey James. I was like, am I being punked? Like, what is happening right now? Total it was pretty weird. Bizarro world. I was thinking about that. Yeah, because you, I think it was just, you know, on your your cell out of the pay-per-view was to make sure to check out Mickey James at the Royal Rumble as a main event. It's yeah, that must have been deal. like such, it's a huge deal. So, what do you think about, I mean, everyone, you know, uses the term the forbidden door, but in terms to it being open in this sense for Mickey James to, you know, essentially have gone through the things that she went through being released by WWE, now kicking ass with Impact, with NWA, to now her being able to go and participate in something like the Royal Rumble. It's awesome. I think it's two things. One, we all know how good Mickey James is and what a pro she is. So obviously getting somebody like her for the Royal Rumble match makes all the sense in the world. Somebody reliable when you're putting together a match of that ilk, it's huge. So you need a lot of smart people in the ring and Mickey James is that. And then it also speaks to the way Impact does business. I think Scott Demore put something out there, how Impact has worked with WWE, AEW, AAA, New Japan, Ring of Honor, like the list goes on and on. And it's just, they're open for business. And so the forbidden door is pretty wild. I, I don't really know how to describe it. Like we're living in bizarro world professional wrestling in 2022 already. Do you think that we're going to see more and more of that in WWE? I mean, now that there has been such mass releases and the roster has really been thinned out, are there going to be more and more moments like this when you get to see other people from other promotions going back to WWE or maybe just having a moment on WWE if they've never been there before? It depends. And, and like, you know, it's like moments like the Royal Rumble are the perfect opportunity sure. for those things. So I wouldn't be shocked if we got some more surprises by the end of this month, and we'll, we'll see what happens there. But Stop announcing them, by the way. God, I hate that. Were you mad that Summer Rae got announced? Yes! Okay, so like, 
of all of the people announced, I mean, even Mickey James, that one's a huge one. I mean, if she came out and her music hit, I would have been like, holy shit. But Summer has not been a part of any WWE event since she left. So to hear her music hit would have thrown me for an absolute loop. And I think a lot of people would have felt the same way. So I'm kind of bummed that they're announcing all of these. I like to be surprised. Like like we talk about Edge returning at the Rumble a couple of years ago, and it was like everybody's mind was blown. You don't have those moments all the time, but still to get those instances where like you feel like a kid again and you're just transported to that moment when that person was really, really lighting the world on fire and just to have them back for a few minutes, it's amazing. How weird is it for you um, as a broadcaster now having to relearn people's names and call them different names. Oh my God. I saw Matt Cardona uh, right as I was walking in the building. I'll never call him Matt Cardona. Never. I can't. I said to him, I was like, you're the bane of my existence because (laughs) for about nine years, I'd called you Zack Ryder and it was the broski boot and it was the rough rider. And then in one night I had to change all of that. And he was like, yep, changed everything. I was like, thanks, bud. (laughs) So um, that's a lot of guys. Uh, Jonah, is a close friend. Steve Macklin is a close friend. So it's like, okay, I've got to relearn all this stuff. Um, It was just weird. And then even saying the championships, Impact, Knockouts, World Champion, and then just undoing some things that were WWE-isms that is like, oh, I don't have to hit this or that or whatever. So it's, I don't know. I'm still learning. And like, we've got the taping later tonight, This the day we're recording this. So I'm like, okay, we'll see what else happens tonight. Well, it's kind of nice to do it back to back right? So that you can just kind of stick with it. And it is, it's a learning curve. When your brain is trained one way for so long, you don't just switch it. It takes a second, especially when you're in like the heat of the moment and a bunch of stuff is happening and you're watching your monitor and trying to just like, like, oh my God, what's your name again? How do I not screw this up? I remember I used to always do that when I was calling Tamina's matches. I always called her Serona. Always. I'm like, ah, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I remember doing something on the WWE app for all you crazy kids out there that remember that. And I was interviewing Cesaro and I called him Claudio and he just leans in and he just leans in. He's like, Hey, Fabe. And he walks out of the screen and I was like, I'm definitely fired. I'm absolutely fired. I will. I do it. Yeah, I definitely do it to him as well. And I I always had a hard time calling Christian Christian when we were doing backstage. I was just wanted to call him Jay. These things throw me. uh, Yeah. Throw you for such a loop. Um, okay, so you're at Impact. Everything is great. What else is going on in your life? You've like, you've just, what a crazy like year. You, didn't you just lose 30 pounds? Tell me about that. <laughs> so you look great. Thank you. Um, Whatever so, tanner you were wearing on the pay-per-view was great, by the way. It was really nice. So much makeup. Thank you to thank you to Caroline in the Impact Makeup Department. She made me, she made me tan. Thank you, Caroline. Shout out to Caroline. When the pandemic first hit, it was June 2020, and like I stepped on the scale, and I was like, "This is more of a person than I should be. Like, this is not necessary." Because <laughs> everybody, more, like everybody, I think we all thought it was going to be over in a couple of weeks, and I was like, "Great, I'll just Uber Eats to the other side." And August of that year, I really started committing to like, "All right, I'm going to drop some weight and, and get in shape." So I, I lost like 30 pounds, and now I'm just. What did you do? I was walking a ton. I was going to the gym regularly. Like I was just being lazy for years. Like I remember Michael. Cole told me when I uh, started on the road, he was like, you're going to get fat. And I was like, no, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm skinny. I got a great metabolism. I'm young. And he was like, you're going to drink. You're going to eat bad food on the road. You're going to get fat. And he was right. Happens to literally everybody. Like it's, it's really hard to avoid. Also, 
when you're just walking through catering, you know, like catering and those snacks, if you're like a little bit bored during the day and there's those beautiful giant crispy cookies laid out. So many chocolate chip and oatmeal raisin cookies. Just, so oh good. God, it was so good. So yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been really good for me. It's been good for my mental health. I know everybody talks about mental health, but it's been a roller coaster past year for me, and I won't get into too much, but like... I mean, we like to get into I things know, here, I Tom, know. but if you don't want to, you have my blessing. There's a lot of stuff uh, you know, in, in my personal life that has changed, and in terms of obviously leaving WWE, like as I mentioned, this is all that I knew for, for nine years, so I was heartbroken when that happened. So a lot happened in a very short span, and if anything that this past year has taught me is that um, you know, it's the old cliche that good things come to an end and that's okay. I, I know the feeling, dude. Like I, I know that feeling and it, it does, it does take a minute to really, it, it's heartbreaking. That's, I mean, that's a perfect way to put it. It breaks your heart. Um, you know, even though like, you know, when I left and I left the way that I wanted to leave, it still broke my heart. Speaking of getting watery eyed, when you <laughs> left, Don't I was think like, I wasn't going to bring that like, up. Oh, I hate you so much. I was like, Oh, Renee's leaving. I'm like, oh, that sucks. And then when I see you the day of that SummerSlam, I'm like, I just start crying. And I was like, what in the world? <laughs> and then Dustin Wallace uh, is there shooting it. He's like, don't worry, Tom. I got all of that. <laughs> Such a bastard. Damn you, Dustin. I mean, it was, yeah, you cried when I left and, and Booker cried. You were the only two that Booker cried. Booker cried? Oh, actually, Graves <sighs> cried too. Graves yeah, cried like did. away from everybody, but he shed some tears. He's a marshmallow. <laughs> he really is. Uh, no, like I, I've said this a million times on a bunch of different platforms, but like when I first started, I had next to no experience in television. Again, I was 23 years old. I never used a prompter. I'd never worked in a studio. So they put me with you in Stanford. And you literally held me by the hand and took me through stuff. So you and I, you know, experienced everything together. And it's not like we were like hanging out in bars every single night or something like that. We did have those nights. What was the one in Indianapolis where you and Lita sung Prince? Um, The Wild Beaver Saloon? (laughs) For some reason, when I'm like scrolling through my phone, if I'm like trying to, it's like someone's birthday or something. I'm like, I need to find a picture with this person. I come across those videos all the time and I get that like, that cringy feeling of like, what the fuck were we thinking? Trying to go up and sing Let's Go Crazy to a bunch of 19, 20 year olds that had not a clue. Well, I guess it would have been 21. We're not in Canada anymore. We were all boozing. Um, but uh, yeah, nobody knew the song. Nobody liked it, but we stuck to our guns. And we really tried to see it through to the end. It's terrible. I respected it because Prince had just passed. Yeah. So you and Lita were like, we absolutely have to pay homage to him. And you did. Uh, and that place, <laughs> oh, uh, I think it was, I, I I believe it was called the Wild Beaver Saloon. Like the, the sign outside was hilarious. And I'm just standing there taking pictures and photos for you. And I was like, this is not going well, but it's hilarious. <laughs> it was not our best showing, but we really, we, we saw the performance through to maybe not the end, but at least three quarters of the way through. Um, but yeah, we definitely had those times. You and I really did. Like we started really close together, maybe within a couple of weeks of each other, maybe even days. I, like, I don't know what it was. It was very close though. But it is really funny to look back on like sort of like those reflective moments of, yeah, I had more television experience at that time. So I was able to guide you through the studio stuff and reading off of a teleprompter and, you know, even being down at NXT together when we could, you know, kind of let loose and do our own thing and, and find out who we were in the scheme of WWE, what we sounded like, all that stuff. But on the other side, when I started doing commentary, I mean, damn, you really like took me by the strong arm and like you did your best 
to help me in a situation where I was like, somebody help me. But you were great. I mean, you would always like text me during the shows. You would give me updates on things. And you didn't have to do that. You certainly did not have to do that. So, I mean, I always really, really appreciated you trying to send me a a lifeline. (laughs) It's scary because like wrestling commentary is unlike anything else. And it's why, you know, I've since leaving WWE, I am committed to working in the sports world and in the entertainment world at large. So when I'm having these conversations with a variety of networks, it's been like, oh, what can you do? I'm like, I can do anything. And it's not ego saying that that's just confidence because of what WWE and professional wrestling asks you to do in a broadcast. I always refer to it as like a boulder rolling downhill is that you're constantly trying to get out of the way of the boulder. It's like Indiana Jones. And if you don't hit something at the appropriate time, the moment is gone. It is live narration and voice acting. It is unlike anything else. And then for us, for a lot of different things to be intentionally late to something, even though we already know about it, there's so many little facets to it that are really terrifying when you're in the moment and you just want to hit it right. And then I mentioned voice acting. So much of it is just freaking acting where it's like, you know, the guy's going to get hit with a steel chair, but you've got to be, my God, he got hit with a steel chair, you know, so it's, it's really scary. So I understand the feeling and I hate to see anybody else in that situation and being like, what do I do? And it's like, all right, let's help him out. (laughs) I'm waving my arms, help me. Come pick me up. Uh, No, but I mean, it is, it it really is such an interesting world. And I mean, I feel like you could dissect doing commentary for wrestling. I mean, I feel like I could for forever. It's when I just, I still think about it. I've not done it in so long. And when I watch shows, I still think about it. And it's not even something that like, you know, I was not necessarily as passionate about it, but I, I always want to be good at the things that I do. So I'm always like, wait, I'm still trying to figure it out. You were committed to it, even though it was like clearly not necessarily something that you were like trained to do or even like really yeah. terribly interested in doing, <laughs> to be frank. I, I, <laughs> I think there was room for you to grow there and actually become somebody really, really good on color I think commentary. So too. I think about what Beth Phoenix was able to accomplish on NXT and just because that setting allowed her the time to grow and develop. What Beth Phoenix became as a commentator, I absolutely was like, yeah, Renee Paquette absolutely could have done the same thing. It's just, it's just a matter of setting sometimes. And there were a lot of instances where you and I would see it and it's like, that might not be the right platform or something. And they just need a little bit more time to cook or something like that, so to speak. So that's just wrestling. That, that happens all the time. Fight fans, throw your best haymaker with a risk-free first bet from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with promo code Renee and you'll be able to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. FanDuel offers all your favorite bets. Choose from the money line to the method of victory to which round the fight will end. And there's so much more. You can even parlay different fight bets together. The bigger your parlay, the bigger your potential payout becomes. You guys do not want to miss out on this. You know, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The app is also so incredibly easy to use. And when you win, you get paid in as little as two hours hours. Come on, man. Let's all get paid. To place your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, and make every fight night mean more with the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 
Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-270-71117 for confidential help in Michigan. TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Let's talk about like some of your stuff through WWE. I mean, we talked about us starting at the same time and, you know, you got to go on, you've called Raw, you've called SmackDown, you've called pay-per-views, you've called WrestleManias, you've done all these things, but you did have some different ups and downs while in WWE. What was that like going through some of those moments of doing shows, coming off of shows, moving on to other things that can be um, a bit of a, a mind fuck, I would say. There are definitely frustrations, but there were so many high points when those opportunities would come up. I've been put on SmackDown in 2014. I think I'm the youngest lead play-by-play announcer in the history of SmackDown. I didn't know what I was doing. No idea. Like that run of whatever briefly, however it was on SmackDown with like Cole and JBL. I, I hear that stuff every once in a while. I was like, that was terrible. I needed to come off that show. So in the moment, you're a kid and I was naive and I was like, oh, I'm a little frustrated by this. But in retrospect... All the changes that occurred, I understood why they happened. And then for things to pop up, you know, uh, last minute being the play-by-play guy for SmackDown for WrestleMania 33 in Orlando. I think like two, three weeks before the show, Cole told me, he's like, you're calling WrestleMania. And I was like, oh, really? All right, cool, man. You know, (laughs) looking forward to it. So it's like, just don't mess up. So I, I think it's. It's so normal. Again, it's just it's just the world of professional wrestling. And I even experienced it last night at Hard to Kill is that. Rarely are there moments where you feel 100% prepared. And that's the beauty of it. You just get thrown in the deep end and you got to see if you swim. How do you prepare? Because I would always see you putting your notes together. You've got your iPad. You, you are a very organized person. You are like very type A. Super OCD. Oh my God. Super OCD. What goes into <laughs> your prep? It was very different, obviously, with WWE just because you have so many live traffic elements that you have to deal with as a play-by-play announcer and that I took a lot of pride in making sure I'm like, I've got the ads right. I've got the B-roll you know, set. I've watched all the packages. I know all my lead-ins, all that stuff. I just wanted all the traffic, as we refer to it, to be really clean. And I prided myself on that. And then secondary after that was making sure, okay, I get my partners involved, Graves and Byron there for a while. And then kind of third was calling the match because you almost have to treat that as like a reflex. So once like over years of working on it, that became a reflex. I found I was taking less and less notes about the match itself, like maybe one or two little things here and there. And you just memorize certain things in terms of how many times a guy's been champion or where he did it, etc. Impact was very different because obviously I've not been calling it for years. So I had been watching it for a number of years. I watched a fair amount of the TNA days and then when it transitioned into TNA Impact and now just Impact Wrestling. So I've been a big fan of Impact stuff for a while. So it's just a matter of kind of hitting the refresh button, so to speak, and then just doing a lot of notes. Like this was the most notes I've done for a show in a long time. Did you ever think that your career would be in professional wrestling? No, never. You and I have talked about it in that like when I graduated college, I was obviously trying to get into sports journalism, sports broadcasting, whatever. And a job lead came up for WWE. And I was like, 
I need a job. Like I remember applying to uh, the Billings Mustangs baseball team out in Montana and getting to like the second round of interviews. And then like a week later, the WWE job posting came up and I was like, might as well try that too. So, <laughs> but like, I can't even, I can't even begin to describe how lucky I got 23 years old and uh, to be there for close to nine years and learn what I learned in that time. It's why I think that I can do anything. It's why I believe I can do anything. So I'm really excited, not just about what Impact offers me in terms of the schedule is fantastic. It just gives me flexibility to do things like the podcast and I'm already doing about Penn State football, a passion of mine, and other things in sports. I'm desperately wanting to get into voiceover work um, because I think I have a deep voice, so that might work. Uh, <laughs> but I would love to do VO work for video games, uh, TV, movies, anything like that. Like, There's just so many things that because of the WWE schedule, you understand why they're like, we need you available all the time. So they take priority and it's, and it's justifiable. And it's a burnout too. You get tired. You're, you're working constantly. So even trying to like shoehorn things in is like, oh my gosh, am I going to do this? Or do I need to like do my laundry and like eat a meal and take a nap? I think I was definitely burned out by the time this past May came around. So like to have six months away from wrestling was for the first couple months, it was like, oh God, like, cause you know what it's like when you're in it. You have to watch every show every week. So there's like five or six live or you know, taped whatever weekly shows in WWE that you're like, you have to know. And I'm glad that I was doing that because summer of 2020, I was on five out of six shows because of the pandemic and COVID protocols. So I was glad I was prepared like that. But I was also like, this is too much. This is burned out. I'm, I'm absolutely burned out. So to take six months to just remove myself for a minute was, was really helpful. Um, okay, on the broadcasting side of things, who do you watch? Who do you watch? Who do you listen to? What are what are like your reference points for yourself or things that you like during a broadcast? Obviously, like in the pro wrestling world, uh, Michael Cole taught me an immense amount. Like I can't even begin to put that into words. Uh, JBL, uh, Byron, Graves, King, a lot of people that influenced my my work over the years, and then. Just in the conventional sports broadcasting world, like I, I think Joe Buck gets a lot of flack for some reason. I watch him do a show and I was like, he does perfect shows every single time. So I love listening to Joe Buck, the way he executes. I think Mike Tirico is freaking unreal uh, for NBC. Um, I don't think, I, I never get sick of Al Michaels. Like he's a dude who's wildly talented. Dan Schulman at ESPN is super good. Um, there's just a lot of guys that I try and listen to the little things that, I feel like, oh, I would do that. I would do this. And now that it's just a little bit of a different environment for me, it's like, oh, maybe I can try and implement these things and just work on them for my own sake, even if they don't work for wrestling. It's like, okay, this is just a rep for me for some other opportunity down the line. What was Baby Tom like? What were you like as a kid? When I was a kid, I was really shy. Um, I was very, very nerdy. Um, I, I'm still nerdy, but um, I was just super shy and extraordinarily inquisitive to the point that like I just didn't believe anything I was like well why like why are we doing this why are we going here I get stuck up here so often and it's just paralysis by analysis so baby Tom was just a shy kid trying to fit in <laughs> paralysis by analysis I like that how did you overcome that like how did you go from being a shy kid to being like oh I want to be a broadcaster I'm going to be on tv like what how'd you overcome that I don't know if I ever really overcame the shyness and this is not a woe is me thing, but like I, I dealt with bullying as a kid. So oh, like, why? I, when I was in grade school, I was like the first kid to get acne. I was the first kid to get braces as well. So a hell of a combination. 
And um, I was getting made fun of and I didn't understand at the time like why and I was just trying to make it stop. And then high school, I didn't really enjoy the experience just because I was like, I want to be liked and I was playing sports. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm like one of the football guys. And it was like, eh, I wasn't fitting in there. And it was like, well, I don't want to be a nerd because I got made fun of for being like a nerd. And that didn't work either. So it was kind of a man without a country. And then I kind of found my people when I went to Penn State. And I still have a ton of close friends from there and really just kind of discovered who I am. And then it's only after college that I was like, okay, like it's okay to be just yourself. And it's just okay to be a combination of it. And I think in WWE getting hired at 23 and seeing the way the culture was, I was like, okay, this is a big deal. I've got to be careful, et cetera. And now I just feel very, very different. And I'm like, all right, I'm 32 now. I've experienced a lot. I highly recommend to anybody to go through therapy and go through mental health uh, exercises, anything like that, because it's just helped immensely. You've not always done therapy, have you? Is this fairly new for you? No, this is within like the last like two years for me. So I don't do therapy and sometimes I'm like, bitch, go talk to somebody because I'm like, I'm like, my like eyes twitching and I'm like, oh my God, somebody help me. But like, do you go see someone in person or is this like an on the phone thing? What do you do? Like a lot of things with the pandemic, the silver lining is that you can do it virtually. So um, I, I'm very fortunate that like, it's just a vacuum to put things because you have so many people in your life where there's things you might want to say, but you know how it could affect the relationship. And it's maybe more important for you to work out. It's maybe, it's maybe more important for you to work out how you feel and what to actually do in a situation than to just blurt it out or something like that. Like really take the time to filter it. I can be very emotional. Like if something ticks me off in the moment, I really need to sleep on it, take a day. And then the next day kind of be like, okay, how do I feel about this? And therapy's really helped me work through a lot. I'm so bad for that. I will literally be like, yeah, don't say anything. Don't say anything. It's not a big deal. Don't say anything. Bam. And then it's right out of my mouth. I'm like, bitch, you were just telling yourself to not say anything. And it's like left my mouth and I can't take it back. I just, it's, it's a, yeah, that's one of my absolute biggest downfalls as a human being. It's that, but it's also like it, the therapy is good, but it's also important to have a support system. Like uh, our, our dear friend, Itor, uh, Big E, is one of my closest friends. And then like if I'm dealing with something, like I, I'll text him or call him or, and vice versa and just kind of be like, you know, I, I need to work this through or help me out with this. And it, he's been amazing. So I'm just thrilled that I have a lot of people like that in my life that I can call them, text them and just help me out. My family's been amazing. So it's just I don't know. I think having that support system and then being able to really just flesh out how you're thinking and feeling and understand the reasons why something might be going on or how you're feeling, it's so valuable. What's the dynamic of your family? It's just you and your brother, right? With obviously like your parents? No. So I, I have a, well, my older, my brother's like three years older than me. I have a sister who's two years younger than me. Um, my parents are in Pennsylvania, so they're great. We're really, really close, all five of us. So uh, I'm really fortunate to have them around pretty frequently. My brother's based on the West Coast right now. He's in he's in the Navy. So don't get to see him that often. But uh, yeah, my family, like we're really, really close knit um, to the point that like Christmas, we see freaking everybody for Christmas. And uh, it's like, okay, it's like I was I was sitting there I was like, I just got to get through Christmas because it's every family member I've ever seen. I think your brother's the only family. I don't think I've met your parents. I've definitely never met your sister. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, my parents and my sister eventually came to some shows in Philadelphia. Yeah, because your family was there when you got caked. Oh, God. <laughs> so, okay, let me, tell, let me tell you the story. So, my sister, went, uh, my sister went to that show. So, she's sitting close to hard camera, right? And she sees the cake thing happen and is like, 
what is going on? Like, I didn't know it was happening either. So I was like, I was equally surprised. So I text her after the show. I was like, how do I get cake out of a suit? And she was like, I don't have the answer to that. (laughs) So I had to throw my suit in a trash bag, which we were in Philadelphia, of course. So it was like, thankfully, right down the road for me. And I threw it in a trash bag, but like I didn't come to the arena with a change of clothes. So I had to borrow like basketball shorts and an undershirt from somebody just so I could walk to the parking lot, not in my underwear. And then coming home with a suit caked in a trash bag and going to a dry cleaner and being like, please help me. <laughs> so my sister got to see that. One of my favorite. Did you get it out? Yeah, oh, yeah, did I got it, it out. It yeah, out? I, I got it out. Okay. But one of my favorite experiences, like whenever my family would come, you know how it is with, with WWE is that if there's seats open right behind the announce desk, they try and fill that in just because it looks better on camera. So my mom, my dad, my uh, sister and my brother, I think all four of them came. And they were literally like three rows behind me to the point that I could just turn right around and they're right there. My dad is still texting me as the show is going on. And this is where New Day was throwing pancakes a lot. So he's like, can you grab a pancake from Biggie? I'm like, dad, you don't want these pancakes. Like, you, you don't want them. He's texting me. He was like, we're behind you. I'm like, I know you're behind me. And I turn around. There's my dad waving. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's nothing better. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. What was your relationship with Vince like? Very professional. I know a lot of people wanted to make sure that they were like really close friends with him or something like that. I just always treated everything like, okay, you tell me what you want me to do and I'll go do it, period. Like, and I just left it at that. And so I always felt it was very professional and we understood each other. If he fed me something, he fed me something. But like, I just tried to keep it simple that way. My dad was a Marine. So when I grew up, he always taught me the value of being like, Go to work, do your job, and do whatever they ask you to do. So I took that personally. Okay, so you're at Impact now. You've had this great career at WWE. You've literally got to do just about everything there. Was there anything at WWE that you wish you got to do that you didn't do? You kind of did it all. I got to call main event of WrestleMania, and whether or not that happened in the Performance Center in front of no crowd doesn't matter to me. It was the main event of night two of WrestleMania, whatever number WrestleMania that was. I got to be the senior manager of On Air Announced Talent, a role that I never... You were technically my boss, right? Sort of, yeah, which is super weird. <laughs> I was like... I don't think I was a very good employee for you. I feel like... I, I think you were great. I, mean, <laughs> I think you were great. No, I, I... Honestly, like, other than getting to be the guy in WWE as the play-by-play voice, that's the only thing. But honestly, I did everything, every show, every opportunity I got to do. And I did that all by the age of 32. So in my mind, I'm really content with everything that I did in WWE. And now, kind of what we talked about before, it's like there's just different things that I can do here with Impact and different things that I can do just in my career as a whole. And I can pursue a lot of different passions now. So I'm thrilled about it. What is at the tippy top of those passions? Aside from obviously landing like a great gig with somebody like Impact, like you said, doing some of these voiceovers and different aspirations, whether it's in like another sport or whatever, what is like your tippy top thing that you want to do? I'm a college football junkie. Uh, I love football. I'm a big fan of NBA basketball, NFL, uh, you name it. Literally, I'm the guy who watches uh, in terms of football. Like I'll watch the NFL, college football, the CFL, the XFL, the USFL. Like I will, I will be watching the USFL. So like I'm, I'm obsessed and I love getting to do that because like 
to me, football is this really cool thing where tiny corners of the country or, you know, the continent basically get to be king for one day. So like I have this dream of going on the road and like visiting different stadiums and experiencing different cultures, et cetera, whether it be pro teams or college teams, whatever, whether that be doing that as a play-by-play announcer, a host, a sideline reporter, or hosting a show of some kind. That really, really intrigues me, and I think I can do that for a lot of things. Tweet that out. you got to be manifesting this shit, Tom. I didn't know that about you. Let people know, and maybe you'll get hired. He's telling me that all the time. He's like, you got to manifest the stuff you want. I just never know what to say or tweet or put out there or something like that, so I'm like, oh, okay, if it's something obvious, like, I work for Impact now, and then other than that, I'm just like, I had, you know, chocolate cake today. Like, that's all I can think to say. I have no idea what to put out there. You should be like tweeting during these games and like tag these people, tag them in it. I'd say that it works out. I, I've not got my Hallmark job um, and I've been trying that for years. So, I mean, you win some, you lose some. Which is ridiculous because the amount of Hallmark Christmas movies, whatever they are that are out there, they should be able to call you. Couldn't give me one. One. That's Back selfish. to Toronto for Christmas, part one, part two, part three. Oh my God, I would love nothing more. I would love that. Um, Okay, and finally, who do you really want to work with? If you could form your dream broadcast team, whether it was in professional wrestling or in something else, what would that look like for you? I think right now, um, a a guy that both you and I know, uh, Kazim Famiyude, Kaz. um, Great guy. He and I have been friends for a very long time uh, since our uh, time in WWE. Uh, He and I got to do um, CBS radio together back in August. So like he and I are constantly talking about different things and just we're, we're, we're friends. So I would kill to work with him. Uh, I've made a lot of uh, really good friendships within the industry of just like sports broadcasting as a whole. I'm working with some friends of mine from college right now. So, um, Kaz jumps to mind, but uh, there's that. a lot of guys. Kaz is the shit. You know why Kaz gets Kaz his flowers? Because he's on the show real soon. I just did an interview with him. Oh, so, uh, very nice. Kaz is in the ether right now. He's doing it. There's a million different people that I think would be really cool to work with. But like I've, I can say that having conversations with all the major networks, it's just a matter of time, in my opinion. And I'm really excited for whenever I can get a foot in the door because I want to prove whoever that is right. I have an enormous chip on my shoulder, and this is my opportunity to prove what I've been thinking and saying for a very long time. And uh, I can't wait to do it. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can definitely echo and back you up on that, that I know just how talented you are. I know what you bring to the table. And honestly, like anyone that hired you would be blown away at the job that you would do. Um, You would just knock it. it. Truly though, you would knock it out of the park. Um, And I I think that that again is like, it's definitely a testament to, to all the work that you've put in over the last, you know, almost decade, you've put in work and you've been put in just about every possible situation. Um, So it's nice to be at a point where you're like pretty unflappable. You're like, bring it, throw anything my way. Let's go. I was not finished. I was just getting warmed up yes. and I can do anything. I deep down believe that in my heart. So I thank you for saying all that and I'm ready to go to work. Yay. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Truly thank I you. am. I love seeing people like just, you know, it's, it's time. It was time to move on to the next thing. And that's where you're at now when you're on that next thing and it started, you're in it. Um, and it's, it's really exciting for me to, to watch as a friend of yours to see what you're what you're going to do and you get to just do it as you right now and it's it's really really cool so I'm so happy for you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for breaking the news. Yay! Everything. You're the best. I, I love you desperately. You're love a wonderful you too, friend. Dude. You're the best. It was so nice to have you on here and uh 
yeah, I'll just be, I'll be watching and seeing you do more things. And I'm sure at some point we'll get to work together on something again, whatever that may be. I don't know what it is, but who knows? Just to see each other in person again would be super cool. I don't have any need to go to Cincinnati right now. <laughs> I mean, like, our football maybe teams are pretty point. good. Maybe you should think about that for a second. That's true. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll in the see Super what Bowl. happens. <laughs> All right, Tom, go uh, just tell everyone at Impact I said hello and fucking kick ass. Thank you guys so much for hanging out, listening to this episode and uh, supporting Tom over at Impact. He's going to be smooth as butter up in your ear holes. You're not going to want to miss all that stuff. So, yeah, follow the guy on his journey. He rules. Good old Tom. God, we used to, like, ride together sometimes. The stories we could tell. That's for a different episode. A different time. A different date. Um, all right, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure to check out for this video on my YouTube page when it comes out. It will be coming out very shortly. And you can see it if you wanted to see our faces while we were having this conversation. Um, just search Renee Paquette over on YouTube and it will all pop up there. And you can subscribe and turn your notifications, all of those things, so that you're always in the loop. Because honestly, we're cranking out some content over on the YouTube page. I should put other things up there, and I keep meaning to, but guys, oh, being a mom really takes up a lot of time, you know? I'm like momming. I'm podcasting. I've got my Sirius XM show. I now do a thing like on NHL Network. Not to brag. I'm busy, you guys. Uh, but I do want to put some other stuff up on the YouTube. I want to put some cooking up there. I want to put some like, even like some decorating stuff. You know, we moved into this house just over two months ago. And there's, you know, going to be a lot of changes in here. Some decorating, some painting, some light fixtures, all of those things. Do people care about that? I don't know. I care about things like that. I love watching a room transformation. Maybe I'll put them up there. Maybe I won't. I don't know. Anyways, head over there. Check it all out. This has been The Sessions, guys. See you next week. <laughs>